welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Health by Heather Hirsch. From the bottom of my heart, I absolutely appreciate it. Today's episode is sponsored by a favorite product of mine, UberLube. I've been recommending this to my patients for years. What I love about UberLube is that they use a silicon base and allergies then are extremely rare. It has no added ingredients like scents, flavors, or spermicides, which are often the very same ingredients that cause irritations or reactions. It's also free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. And honestly, what I love the most is this chic glass bottle that it comes in and this nice little pump that allows you to get the perfect amount every time, plus no sticky residue. It's latex compatible and fun fact, it can be used underwater. So if you go to uberlube.com, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com and use the code podcast, you will get 10% off orders on their website. I know you won't be disappointed. You are going to absolutely love this interview I did with my amazing friend, Kim Schlag. She lives right outside Philadelphia, and we have known each other for a while now. We're kind of kindred spirits in this medlife and menopause experience. We really want women to know that we can live our best lives, that we can feel our best, and I have brought her on today because she is a fitness and nutrition expert. She has changed her life completely despite all of the environmental issues, stressors, and hormonal changes that happen in midlife and at menopause. So listen in to us, have a great conversation centered around how women can reclaim the body that they want, the nutrition that they would need to have to get it, and essentially feel their best and their sexiest and their strongest. You're going to love this episode, so let's get right into it. Today, I have my good friend with me, Kim Schlag, and she and I have known each other for, oh my goodness, it seems like a a long time. I think it's been a few months when I was on her podcast. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now I have, she's graciously agreed to be my guest, and we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to a lot of my listeners' hearts and waistlines, and that is uh, weight gain, metabolism all those types of things at menopause in midlife. So with that, I'm going to field it over to Kim and tell us how I love your story. And for those of us who don't know your story, tell everyone how you got into this world. Yeah, for sure. So I am 49 years old. I am in the throes of perimenopause at this moment. Um, For most of my life, I struggled with my weight. Not as a teenager. I was always a person in my teenager years and in my 20s who wanted to lose five pounds. Like I perpetually had this idea, like I need to lose five pounds. And so I did a lot of yo-yo dieting. When I started having babies, I have three kiddos who are all teenagers now. I gained significant amounts of weight with each pregnancy, 50 pounds, with each pregnancy and never fully lost that weight after each baby. So 50 pounds, lose some, 50 pounds, lose some. So by the end of having three kids in my mid thirties, I was obese, very depressed about that, worked really hard to try and get a handle on it, did all the stupid fad stuff, you know, 
trying to follow Dr. Oz and all, all the nonsense out there because it felt so valid to me somehow. Like I just didn't get that, that they were kind of yanking my chain, right? right. And it wasn't until I got into um, my 40s that I really started to understand the basics of nutrition, which guys, it's no secret. It's, <laughs> it's the, the non-fancy stuff and get a hold on my nutrition and lifting weights. And I lost a significant amount of weight, totally changed the shape of my body, really got excited about training and had so many people say like, Hey, you should do this for work. You should do this for work. Cause I was helping my friends and just people at the gym that eventually I'm like, I should do this for a job. <laughs> and so I got certified as a trainer, um, got certified as a precision nutrition coach and kind of it all snowballed from there. Wow. I love that story because for the majority, well, the narrative, the, the narrative, whether it's fact or fiction is that, you know, maybe we're more athletic when we're younger and we have more time. And then, you know, after each child's and we get busier and et cetera, you know, we kind of go the opposite way, but you really kind of took that and you really made the best of it. Like you made the best of it at, in your forties, which I kind of consider midlife. And yeah. so that's what I just absolutely love about you and why I really, really find you to be so inspiring and such an expert at this time. So, it, you know, do you have a majority of clients that are in midlife or do you, you know, deal with women of all ages? And I have worked with clients from all ages. I've worked with everyone from their late teens all the way up. I've had clients in their 70s. I tend to attract women who are in midlife going through menopause because I talk about it all the time because I'm going through menopause and so I'm always talking about it. And so I have a huge group of women who are in perimenopause, in menopause, postmenopausal, um, who really connect with me that I coach. So that's cool. So like, do you notice or do you see that the formula for weight loss and strength training is different in younger women, in midlife women, and then maybe if you have women who are in, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s, or is, would you say, I don't know, the formula is, is, is very kind of the same. Um, what do you find? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes to that. Here's the thing. When it comes down to it, if we're talking about weight loss, about fat loss, it is always the same. We have to have our calories in be less than our calories out. It has to be that way. And so that's the same. It doesn't matter if I'm working with, you know, a 27-year-old man or a 65-year-old woman or anybody in between, it's going to be the same, that part of it. What is different is that we in menopause and in perimenopause have different hurdles that we are facing that other people are not facing. And so getting past those hurdles is the key. And okay. one of the interesting. Yeah. So it's more like those environmental things or those outside stressors than it is the formula. Yeah, it's not it's nothing specific. Like we still have to get into a calorie deficit. But and we can talk through like what some of these hurdles are, but the first one and it's a big one is the mental hurdle of it is stuck in our mind that this is just how it is. That when you hit menopause, when you hit middle age, like you struggle to lose weight, you put on weight, it's our body working against us. And so if that is in a person's mind, mm -hmm. it is extremely challenging to lose weight because here's the thing, weight loss is way harder than anybody thinks it is. And so when they attribute the natural difficulty of weight loss to, oh, it's menopause, they think they can't do it. And in reality, it's just that hard and yeah. you got to keep going through it. It's just that hard. Mm -hmm. So you're saying it's just as hard for someone who is 25 to lose the same amount of weight as someone who is 45 and as someone who is 55. But it's yes, maybe they just don't have some of these other hurdles that we can talk about here in a minute. There are some other things we have to get around, but when it comes down to it, weight loss is hard. I have clients in their 20s and they struggle to lose weight because 
it's the day in and day out of what am I putting in my mouth and how do I handle emotional eating and how do I handle social eating? Look, nobody's handle social eating right now, right? <laughs> because no. we're not going anywhere, but emotional eating right now, everyone's stress eating, right? And oh, that's yeah. the same for a 20-year-old as it is for a 40-year-old right now. Interesting. All right. So let's like, let's get down to it. So what are, what do you notice are some of the environmental outside stressors uh, that influ- that in- that affect women who are in mid- midlife and menopause from you know losing the weight or feeling as though it is so much harder to lose the weight where where does that all stem from so once you can get past that mental hurdle of like wait i can actually do this then another really big one that a lot of people will connect with is lack of sleep. It is such a big mm-hmm. one. And whether that's coming from, you know, the straight up insomnia that can be associated with menopause or whether it's coming from hot flashes that are keeping you up all night, which was what I struggled with. Um, I was up straight for three months. I had such little sleep because of the hot flashes keeping me awake. And so if for whatever reason you are lacking in sleep, what can happen? It doesn't directly cause you to stop losing weight, but it can increase your cravings. It can decrease your satiety, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not even thinking like, wait, what, what's happening? But you know, you're craving more. You're, you're not as satisfied. You're likely not moving more. And you might think like, wait, I'm still going to the gym. But when you're outside of the gym, you're so tired. You're sitting more. You're not you know, up and about moving as much. When you're at the gym, you're not pushing as hard, right? So as you can see, all the things that I'm saying, it still comes back to calories in, calories out. If I'm having cravings and I'm giving into them, I'm eating more calories. If I'm not as satisfied and I'm eating more, I'm eating more calories. If I'm sitting around more, you can burn a lot of calories just by moving throughout your day. And if you're now sitting because you haven't been sleeping, you're not burning those calories. And so that's why I say it still comes back to calories, but all of that. And that's just with the one hurdle of I'm not sleeping. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, as a menopause physician, I absolutely agree. Definitely agree with you on that point. The lack of sleep is a huge, huge problem. I will have women tell me they sleep four or five hours a night. I mean, that is absolutely mind blowing. And, 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 and alternatively or similarly, women will tell me that they sleep four or five, six hours a night and, and they're sure that that's all that they need. And, you know, again, I think it's what is the underlying issue? It's not so much that it is 10 times harder to lose the weight, but maybe it is the sleep. And if we can tweak that, fix that, work on that, then perhaps you're going to be more successful in the energy and efforts that you're already putting into your weight. Yeah. What else is on the list? Well, and when it comes to sleep, I have to say for me, the answer, and it's not the answer for everybody, but for me, because mine was about the hot flashes, what solved that for me was starting hormone replacement therapy. You Mm -hmm. know, once that happened and my sleep, my sleep was back in check, like I felt like a different person. And so for some people, that's, that's the answer, which I know it make, as you know, like this, this is your area of expertise. It makes so many people so nervous and I was nervous about it. Um, but it's been life-changing for me. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. and for other people, it's more about like that insomnia and, um, you know, finding a way to manage their sleep habits and all of that stuff, but really getting a handle on that and knowing that even if you don't get a handle, let's say, and I, I have clients I'm currently working with who struggle with insomnia due to menopause. And they are still losing weight, even though they're not sleeping. And we work on sleep and we talk about sleep and we try and figure it out. But even still, we tackle then the things throughout their their day. They still have a step count that they're supposed to be trying to meet and meet. And so that keeps their their movement up. They still um, work. We work on, okay, how are you going to handle those cravings? Like, you know, they're coming. They're coming fast and furious. What are we going to do to help you manage those cravings? Because you can still not be sleeping and still having cravings 
and, and manage it. Yeah. And so it's important to know it's still not out of your control. I love that. I love that because you're, you're, we're, we're, ta- we're changing the narrative that, that you just have to get old and leak urine and not have sex anymore <laughs> and gain weight in your middle. We're taking back the narrative that no, those are just myths. You know, yes, it does mean that you have to, you know, give it your, a lot of effort. But I love what you're saying is sort of like, all right, it's not just that you can't lose weight. What are the other things that are going on that we need to kind of focus on so that we can optimize what you're doing in, in, in this area? Yeah. And what about, um, uh, I, I see a lot of women who have mood-based symptoms at menopause. Maybe they're more irritable or they're more hostile or they are binge eating. You know, does that play a role in cravings or how do you see sort of mood Absolutely. changes? Absolutely. And, and that right there is the same kind of thing. Um, I have women who really struggle with eating for all of those reasons. You know, that they're, they just feel more agitated and they're angry and everything bugs them and they're, they're annoyed with their kids and they're annoyed with their spouse and their go-to is I'm going to eat something, right? And so that's like the, like, that's the thing. And for me, I know that's one of my triggers. When one of my kids is really getting under my skin, the urge to eat for me is strong. It's almost like this Band-Aid. It comes back to what will I do instead? And so what I do with my clients is I have them make a list. Usually I have them put it on their phone. They, they brainstorm at a time that that's not happening. All right, this is my trigger, you know, for me, my kids. What will I do instead? Because I know the eating, it doesn't even help. Like it helps for a split second, right? It's kind of like that like Band-Aid effect. But very soon after, I'm annoyed that I just ate the thing. I didn't even like the thing, right? And I'm still annoyed with my kid, right? <laughs> and so, I can't tell you how many times I've eaten like a stale cookie. And right? I thought to myself, that was so gross. Just because I'm the just, toddler's bugging you, right? You're right? I'm just deeper in this hole, right? Right? And so brainstorming at a time when you're removed from that, like, okay, right, these are the things that I tend to emotionally eat because of what will I do instead? What will actually help? Maybe it will help, you know, for me, it helps to get to be outside, whether I'm walking or just sitting outside. Maybe it helps to listen to music. Maybe it helps to read a book or phone a certain friend or like make a specific list and give yourself like two or three or four things that you could do. And they have to be reasonable. I always tell my clients, I'm like, do not put bubble bath on there if you don't have time to be wet. Like (laughs) it's the middle of the day and you're going with your kid. You're not taking a bubble bath, right? It has to be something short and manageable that you can do instead of shoving a stale cookie in your mouth. Right. I, I, you know, I have worked with a nutritionist actually after I had my second child and it was so helpful and, and I love was resonating or what I see is you do so much, not just, you know, there's more to it than just like, here's your meal plan, stick to it. It's a lot of psychology. It's a lot of just getting over those mental, those mental hurdles of, of, you know, those, those things that we started off with saying, like the differences in lifestyle for someone who's 25, you know, doesn't have all the kids, doesn't have, you know, the issues facing a lot of women in midlife. They're not at the peak of their careers. They're not taking care of their, you know, parents and et cetera. Yes. All of those things you're saying, that amount of stress, we've got you taking care of the parents and the kids and the career. It's all coming to a head at the same time as we're dealing with menopause. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to manage. And so no wonder, like weight feels unmanageable, right? Exactly. And, and, um, you know, do you see that a lot of women find it really hard to take time to care for themselves first in this time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because who has time for that? You know, everybody else needs a piece of us. And so it's some, and this is something I work on with my clients is we're going to put you at the top of that list. And a lot of people, you know, there's this common idea and it's true that you can't take care of anybody else unless you take care of yourself first. And that's so totally true. But for me, it kind of misses the point of you are a person who is worth taking care of. 
if nobody else gets anything out of it, you're still worth it. Just by nature of you being a human being, you deserve good care. It doesn't matter if now you're better for your husband or your kids or your mom or your friend. That's great, but you're valuable just because you're you're a person. You make women really feel as though this is obtainable. And how do we put together the different pieces of your life to make it make sense for you? Another question I have for you as I was talking, and one of the things I see as a clinician is women in midlife starting to drink more alcohol than they used to. And that might be for a lot of these reasons, stress, or they're self-medicating because of something we talked about before, which is trouble sleeping. Yeah. So, um, but at the same time, we don't want women, we don't want to deprive people of everything. So as a, you know, nutritionist, fitness coach, you know, how do you, um, what is kind of the, the, the message or what is the way to sort of incorporate and have a healthy relationship with things like alcohol and we could even throw in there, you know, desserts and sweets? How do you kind of work with your clients? That's a really good question. I think it's important to note there, like the idea of self-medicating with alcohol is so common in women in this age bracket. It happens all the time. I talk to so many people and that's what they do. Either food or alcohol or sometimes yeah. both, right? And, they, and I don't think they notice a lot of them are still at the peak of their career and they don't even really notice they're doing it until they start to like think about it. Yeah. And it's kind of a joke in society today, right? Like the moms out there with like with their drink after school with the kids or, you know, like at the playground trying to make you know, funny That's jokes the about narrative. Right? Yeah, right. And and it, you know, everybody laughs about it, but it's really not funny because there's so much truth in it, right? And so when it comes down to it, again, finding, okay, am I drinking because I like the taste of this wine and this is a fun part of my social life, or am I drinking to distract myself, self-medicate myself, help me with my stress. I'm not sleeping, all of those things. And so figuring out like, why am I drinking? If I'm drinking to a point where I, I'm not comfortable with it, or if I'm overeating, like if I don't like the effect this is having on my body, like let's address that. Why am I eating or drinking that much? It's not that alcohol or cake or cookies or pizza are bad, that you can't include them. You can. Let's talk about why and how much and how often. And so we figure those things out. And I also think it's really important to not demonize any of these things, right? And so like, it's not like you can't eat cookies and cake and pizza. You can. We're going to figure out how to eat them in a way that still allows you to reach your goals, whether that's weight loss or weight maintenance. There's an amount that you can eat them in and a feeling you should be having as you're eating them. Not guilt, not I need this cookie to survive, just like hey, I like cookies and I'm eating this cookie and wow, it's delicious. And mm -hmm. I'm going to pay attention to the cookie and I'm satisfied with the cookie and now I'm moving on. Yeah. I noticed there's a lot of like being very intentionable about, about what you're eating, when and why. And so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that plays a large role into like shaping and changing that psychology, that, that behavioral patterns we have with food. Absolutely. Being mindful. And that's what I really like to think about is, is mindful eating is that you pay attention to what you're eating, why you're eating it, how it makes you feel. Am I even hungry? There's a question nobody asks a lot, right? We eat a lot because it's time. Everyone else is eating. We're craving food, but am I hungry? Or do I even want this food? And so really figuring out like, what does it feel like to be truly hungry? And what does it feel like to be satisfied? Am I eating just because I put that food on my plate or am I still hungry? And so all of that plays a role in, again, calories in. How much am I actually taking in? 
Mm-hmm. So I want to sh- I want to shift a little bit into adding in the exercise, but before I do so, you know I love asking this question. Um, and the medical community definitely has opinions. I'm interested, sort of, on yours. And the, the the question is not so much which is more important, diet or exercise. They're both important. They're both different. But if you really want to lose the weight, mm-hmm. is it the diet or is it the exercise? It's the diet. It's the diet. Now they're both important, like you said, but as far as when it comes to weight loss, it is calories in, calories out, and you have way more control over calories in. Mm -hmm. If you, if you're paying attention to the number of calories you're eating, you will be able to lose weight. Trying to burn off your food via exercise is not going to happen because it takes so few seconds seconds to eat hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calories. Yep. Yep. Just so take long. a tea, teaspoon of table peanut <laughs> yeah. butter right in, right? Nutella. Hello. Yep. <laughs> like I'm 500 calories in and I haven't even said hello to somebody, right? Like that's a lot of calories. And to burn that off takes way more time and energy than you have. And you might think you're at the gym burning off that, you know, that peanut butter you just had, but it's going to take more than that. And so- yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it the nutrition piece is huge. Not to negate the exercise piece. It's important for so many reasons. We absolutely like especially in the medical community, we absolutely agree. It's the it's the diet. The diet it plays a it's such a bigger role. And and a lot of people do know that intuitively. They know, oh, you know, I can't just go to the gym and then eat pizza all day. Like a lot of people do know that, but as a physician, when I'm talking to my patients, I'm asking them about their 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 diet, their weight, they all automatically go to, I know I need to exercise more. It's kind of like this gut knee-jerk reaction of, oh, I haven't exercised. And so, you know, I guess I'm wondering from your perspective and where you sit, why do you think society is it just it's just such a big market? Or why does why do we have this idea that we have to exercise to lose weight, not that we have to change the diet? And as as I say that, I can actually think of a million reasons why <laughs> we say that. But like what yeah. do you think? I love having your hearing your opinion. I think a couple of reasons. The top two it is one, it's just the narrative we've been sold for so long. And whether that's from a marketing perspective, if everybody wants to sell us, you know, back in the eighties wanted to sell us their aerobics routine. I don't know if that's where it came from. You know, they always want to sell us, you know, the thigh master and so they're like, it's about the exercise. I do think that's a piece of it. It's marketing. The other thing I think it is is that's what we want it to be because it's easier. It's easier. It is exactly. easier exactly. to spend, even if you're gonna spend, which you don't need to spend every day an hour, an hour working out, but even right. if you did, let's say you spent one hour every day working out. That's seven hours. To maintain a certain amount of calories, like to eat a certain amount of calories takes your focus the entire day that you're awake, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, it's just easier to fall back to, it's the exercise. And that, so yeah. I think that's what it is. We want it to be the exercise. It's easier. Um, exactly. So what, what made that, you know, you had all these things when you were overweight in your forties and you had three kids, you know, what sparked that change in you? What, what made you want to tackle those hurdles and what, what are the psychological things that helped you like become at the top of your game in this field? Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that was important is that I fell in love with strength training. It's something that I became really passionate about. I like it. And here's the thing. A lot of people might hear that and be like, yeah, but I don't like it. If you haven't tried it yet, the feeling of becoming strong is, it's, and I would almost use the word addictive. It is an incredible thing to see yourself become strong. And I like going to the gym each week and seeing like, I can lift more than I could last week. And that was incredible. And I'd never really seen myself as a strong person before. And to watch myself do that was, it had such an impact on me. So that was huge. 
the other thing that was really different for me was I had spent my whole life doing these crazy diets where I had to cut out sugar and cut out carbs and eat out of boxes. I did Nutrisystem. I was actually, one of the things I was most successful losing weight with was Nutrisystem. And the day I stopped, it was because I, I couldn't eat one more little red cardboard box of food. I was sick of it. And I was like, I can't do it. And so I'd done all these crazy things. And so for me to see myself losing weight when what I was doing was eating the same food everybody else ate and managing my portions of it and making myself, I ate vegetables for the first time regularly as a 42-year-old woman. Like I hated, veg- I was like, I don't like them. Uh-huh. And my friend who was helping me lose weight was like, I don't care. <laughs> you, you need to figure out how to eat them. And I did. And now I like vegetables. And so figuring out like I could still go out and I could still eat normal food. It didn't have to be from a special box and I didn't have to stop eating sugar. That was life changing for me. Yeah. That's so, uh, it's so real. It, it really is. And I love, I, I, I do feel like we're such kindred spirits. I loved doing CrossFit, which was my way of gaining so much strength. I did it for the last five years. And when I moved to Boston and now I have two little toddlers, so I kind of mostly do strength training in my basement and in my garage. But you're right, just to be able to see yourself get stronger, it is so addictive. So let's talk about strength training in women. Yeah. The narrative for that is that, you know, women shouldn't, they don't need to, they'll get bulky, all that stuff that everyone's kind of heard of. How do you help someone who's never strength trained before get excited and get addicted? Well, the first thing I would say is you need it more than you think for so many reasons. Like if you even think just very practically, like what do I want as I age and I'm the person my kids are going to be trying to take care of. What do I want to be able to do? Do I want to be able to get up off the toilet? Do I want to be a burden to them? Do I want to be able to bend over and pick the thing I dropped? Right? Do we want to be able to do those things? Well, if we do, we need muscle. And here's the crazy thing that a lot of people don't know. From the age of 30 on, we start losing muscle 3 to 8% per decade if we don't do something about it. Ooh. If we don't do something about it, we will lose muscle. So the something we do about it is one, as far as dietary, you eat plenty of protein. And then two, you strength train intentionally. You work on building muscle. And that doesn't mean you have to end up looking like a bodybuilder. I am five feet three and 130 pounds. I do not look like a bodybuilder. I train, I lift hundreds of pounds all of the time you will not necessarily, how you eat determines how you're going to end up looking, right? So if you started all of a sudden eating like a bodybuilder, like a power lifter, you started eating all these crazy amounts of food and strength training, you might, depending on your genetic potential, look that way. It takes a lot of effort for those people to look that way. That is not accidental. You will not accidentally look like a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. I promise you. And so knowing that it's so important for us to function, knowing that it's important for the look you want to achieve. So women who are interested in like looking toned, and they're like, oh, I like the way that woman's arms look. They're not just looking at fat loss. They're looking at muscle and they don't necessarily realize that's what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's important to both look good and to move really good just functionally in daily life. And that's usually enough for people to be like, okay, I want all those things, right? The other thing that women are worried about is like, I don't know how to do that. Like I know how to run and I know how to get on an elliptical, but I don't know what in the world to do with those machines or those weights. And so helping people come at it, um, knowing that they can start very small. I have had clients, um, so I'm completely online. I'm an online coach. I don't work in person anymore. And so I've had clients, you know, across the country, across the world. And they're like, I'm kind of intimidated to go back to the gym. I don't like it. And so I've had them start as small as go to the gym, 
get on the elliptical that you're always on. While you're there, you're going to pick one thing. We know what it is ahead of time. And so a lot of times I'll say that you're going to do a goblet squat. So it's one kind of squat after your elliptical, you know, pay attention to the room, go pick up a weight and do a set of goblet squats. And that's how I get them to not be so afraid of the environment. And as they build up confidence with that, and that's a pretty extreme case, but it absolutely happens. I'll have other women just start at home with some body weight moves. And as they feel confident, head back to the gym because they just don't really feel like they belong there. They don't know what they're doing. And so it's about helping them learn and gain that knowledge and move their body in a way that they're like, okay, like I can do this. And like I said, when a person starts feeling like, whoa, I can do this, they get excited about it. Yeah. I kind of think that the, the exercise helps people's psychology in continuing to eat better. Almost like, yes, of course, we all know the exercise is good. It has cardiovascular benefits and muscle building. We talked about that. But then I, I also think it's such a motivating factor to continue to eat healthier during the day. Some people do do well with that. You know, they'll say, I exercise, so I really, I want to eat good today. I want to eat clean. I don't need to eat a plate of brownies. I feel so good about myself. So yeah, that can definitely have a mental effect of that. Like I'm doing this, like I'm doing this, I'm moving my body, I'm feeling strong. I want to fuel my body. Like I'm going to go and eat some protein and some vegetables. Like this feels good. Yeah. What are your tips for if, well, so as we're recording this, we're social distancing still because we're still in the, in the midst of the pandemic. <laughs> what is your advice for people who either can't get to the gym right now or who don't have a gym membership or who are just simply too scared to even go to a gym? Where can they start at home? So for strength training, here are a couple of things you could do to start at home. Know that one, you can make some progress using just your body weight only. You absolutely can. Okay, yeah. And then focus on a couple of these moves. Squats, start with just a body weight squat. Push-ups, I don't care who you are or what size you are, you can do a push-up. The best way to figure out how you can do a push-up is to start from, if, if you've not done a push-up ever, go to your counter and do push-ups leaning on your counter. Um, you can check out my YouTube video. I've got a full push-up tutorial. It shows you what good form looks like. Do it on that angle and do push-ups at your counter. When you can do eight of them there, maybe go down to your table. Make sure it's secure on something. Then maybe go down to your couch. <clears throat> Practice really good push-ups with good full range of motion until you get lower and lower to the floor. And on my tutorial I have on my YouTube, I show lots of other ways to help you get down there you will be able to do a push-up someday. So start with push-ups, start with body weight squats. Um, those are two really good places to start. And just know that it's worth it to do your body weight. Glute bridges is another good one. Look up and see how to do a glute bridge. You don't need anything. It's going to help you build that nice butt you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of smiling because I've been starting to do a lot of exercising at home and I actually have like my CrossFit bar and, um, I'm, I'm definitely missing having a pull-up bar because I can feel yeah. my, 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 you know, certain muscles. You, if you're not, when you don't have someone training you, you definitely kind of maybe have a tendency to, to do what you like or to do what you're of good course. at. And so, so yeah, we have a tendency to go back to what we know and what we're good at. So Heather, do you have any bands at home? Do you have those long, do you have any of those long bands? I, I used to, but I, mm. I'm embarrassed to say they might still be in a box somewhere, even <laughs> though we moved several months ago. Well, if um, you find them, you can work your back with those. Take one uh, of those, hook it around like your banister yes. and bend over so that you're in line with the, with it this way and do pull downs. Imagine like what a pull up would look like. Yep. But you're pulling straight across that way. And so it's still working like a, like a pull up kind of motion. 
Oh man, you're so quick with the like. I love it. So, <laughs> oh, this is all fresh in my brain. Everybody needs to learn how to work out at home right now. I had to transfer all my clients to their living room. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know, some of the fitness equipment you can get at Target, and it's it is really fairly cheap. And then you have it at home for that like rainy day. Even if you have a gym membership, when the gyms are open, you know, getting even a, a short workout at home, I'm a total fan of because again, it's just that psychological. Um, it, it, it itches that psychological itch of you, you need to stay motivated. You've got to keep facing these things, especially at midlife that are trying to bring you back to this narrative that like, nah, it's not worth it. You're just going to get old, leak urine and, and gain weight. And, and we have to really kind of fight that. So. Absolutely. And so right now, like during the quarantine, there's so many people feeling that I did a poll on my Instagram the other day, like how are home workouts going? And <laughs> it was 50, 50, like, yeah, it's good. And everyone else is like, I hate this. I don't want to do this. This isn't motivating. This isn't, this isn't how I like to work out. And my kids walking around and my dogs walking around and I have light weights and I'm used to heavy weights and all the things, but you know what? It's always worth it. You do what you can with what you have. And then when things are back to normal, like go to a gym or buy a big set of weights once they become of it. You can't buy those right now. There's nowhere to get weights right now. But when you can, buy a nice heavy set for home and, and get after it. Yeah. How do you, how, how do you um, help people set up calorie deficits? So we, we you know, talked a lot about diet and exercise. And, and one of the things that you told me right off the bat, right at the beginning, that I kind of want to leave people with, because I think that that's your, kind of this message, how do you help people set up a calorie deficit? How do you help people decide how many calories to eat? Um, and what do you do when people just find that they, they you know, it's, it's freaking hard. So, you know, <laughs> you know, um, tell us kind of, you know, again, what is, what is sort of your approach to, um, talk, to getting to this calorie deficit and getting people to stick with that to see the results that they want? Absolutely. So <clears throat> the most important thing to know is there's not one number. And I used to think there was years ago. I'm like, somebody just tell me, what's the number of calories I need to eat? You know, And you'll see all of these things out there. There's not a magic number. You will have to figure this out through trial and error. But I can give you some good starting points. And the goal is you start with these starting points and you stay very consistent with them. And you watch and be very patient because it takes a long time. And you watch what happens. Preferably not just with the scale, but measure your progress with a combination of the scale a tape measure. So measure your waist and measure your butt. Um, those are your waist, your butt, your leg, your chest. Take a couple of good measurements. Okay. Use that, the scale, um, pictures, everyone hates it, but it's the best way to see what progress you're making. Put on as few clothes as possible, bathing suit, sports bra and shorts, take pictures from the front, both sides and the back. Okay. Progress pictures, measurements, the fit of your clothes, put on something that you're just not loving right now. Notice how it feels. Okay, keep those things in mind. Check back with those month to month and see the progress you're making. This, this is multiple months. This is not days. This is not weeks. This is months, okay? So that's how I want you to gauge your progress. Then I'm going to give you a formula that you can use right now to set your calories. You're going to stick with those calories, and I'll tell you how to set your protein. Those are the two things I have people count. I don't count fat. I don't count sugar. Um, protein, calories. So for your calories, take your goal body weight in pounds. If you think in kilograms, transfer to pounds and multiply it by 10 and by 12. Somewhere in there is going to be a good starting point for you. If you have a lot of weight to lose, a lot of weight to lose, like you want to lose 50 or 100 pounds, you don't have to go to your end goal weight for your goal weight, okay? So if you're 250 pounds and you eventually need 150, you're going to be eating too few calories if you pick 150 as your goal weight. Start, you know, like at 
220 or 210, you know, go down somewhat. Again, this is giving you an estimate. Mm-hmm. Hit those calories as often as possible for a long period of time, okay? At the same time as you're working on hitting a good protein goal, take your goal body weight, multiply it by one, that's your protein goal. Wow. Work to eat that. That's a lot of, I mean, that's a good amount of protein. It is. It's a lot more than most people think. If you think about the recommended daily allowance of protein, it's a lot smaller than that. But that number is for people who are sedentary and not moving at all. It's not for people who are trying to lose weight and who are exercising. You're right. Yeah, you're right. right. And so it's, and most people, when they come to me and I have them do like a food log of what they're eating, they're eating like 50 or 60 grams of protein if they're lucky. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking, you're going to probably need double that um, to get going with this. Um, and the, way, the easiest way to do that is eat some with every meal. Like yeah. eat chicken at dinner, eat you know, some salad uh, with tuna at, at lunch, eat some eggs and egg whites at breakfast. And if you're like, that's still not getting it for me, the thing that people don't realize is just increase your portion size. <laughs> just eat a bigger piece of chicken. You don't need some protein whip concoction that you make up at night with some powder. You, uh-huh. can, you can add that in if you want and if, if that makes it easier for you. Um, so hit your protein hit your calories. And then the other overarching thing that I really want people to to really think about is 80 to 90% of the calories you eat should be from nutrient-dense sources, vegetables, fruit, lean proteins, whole grains. The other 10 to 20% can be that other stuff we were talking about, cookies, pizza, beer, whatever it is you like, right? And so we're focusing not just on weight, but on your health as well, but your mental health as in like, I like cookies, right? You can Mm -hmm. have some, Mm -hmm. 10 to 20% of your calories. Oh my gosh. I... That's like a, I, I really like that formula. It's not overbearing. It, it, and I'm sure you tweak it when you work with people individually exactly. and you get Absolutely. at what their little, you know, things are that really tick them or that really kind of where they plateau or where they fall off. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I highly recommend, you know, for anyone listening, if you're really struggling, you know, yes, it, it does cost something to hire someone, but you know, if you really want those results, having someone help you, having someone keep on you, it, it really does make a difference. I think a lot of people are hesitant to do that because, you know, again, they, they have to just to, to go through that extra barrier, find the person, work with someone mm-hmm. and it makes it harder. But man, people are really so successful. I mean, the most successful, I looked great, like six months after my son was born when I was working with my nutritionist in Columbus. And, you know, but, and she taught me so much during that time that I can still use it even after. Although again, having someone call you, follow up and you hold, keep you accountable really, yeah. really makes a huge difference. Um, Absolutely. So- that, that the accountability factor and consistency factor. Cause that's the thing, all the stuff I just told you, like that's, they're like, Oh, I'll just figure out these formulas. And like, it can be straightforward. And the thing is it is simple. It's not as complicated as everybody makes it out guys. It's just not no. It is hard though. It is simple. It's not easy. And that's where having a coach to help you through the hard can, can come in, can come in handy. I love this message that yes, you know, things shift at menopause, hormones change, sleep changes, mm-hmm. um, maybe cravings change. But what Kim is really saying is that it is still absolutely possible to lose the weight or to maintain the weight or to get the body physique that you like. It's just that you have to think about the other exterior and environmental things going on or stressors that are causing you to fall off the wagon. And I just, yeah. I love this message because a lot of people, again, really think that it's just, you know, with, it is not within reach. And you're really saying, yes, it absolutely is. 
It absolutely, it a hundred percent is, you know, and one thing we didn't touch on, but that's a real thing is this menopause belly thing that you know, ladies, if you know what I'm talking about, it's a real thing, yes, but you lose it in the exact same way that I just discussed here. It's, yeah. you know, the fact that, you know, the declining estrogen means we're storing more of our fat in our belly. Mm-hmm. You're only mm-hmm. storing because you have extra and you can lose that extra in the exact same way I just talked about here. Yeah. I think this has been so wonderful. I think we have really covered so many topics, a lot of, you know, myths out there that women have a lot of questions. I know you've given us a little hint at the formula and how you use it with your clients. So where can people find you if they either want to work with you or follow you? Where can people find you? Yeah. So at Kim Schlag Fitness everywhere. So my last name is spelled S-C-H-L-A-G. So my website is Kim Schlag Fitness. If you want to work with me, I have a YouTube channel here that I'm starting to build. I'm posting content there every week. Instagram, I have, I'm very active on Instagram. I post constantly there. So those are everywhere you would look at Twitter, Kim Schlag Fitness. Oh my gosh. I, I am so glad that we have got to meet. And I love that what I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see or what I'm very hopeful for is that the current women who are in menopause and midlife, be it, you know, 35 to 65, I really feel like right now women are really starting to demand, you know, better answers, better results, the real facts. And it's just, you're such a part of a big movement of women's rights and women's health and in what is typically ignored, which is midlife. Even though, even though I know you said you work with clients of all ages, I, I think exactly your point is, you know, your very own story of you can take back, you can reshape the narrative is so, so inspiring for the women who watch you and follow you. And I know I love all of your content. It's so great. So to get an hour of your time to really like hammer these things out, I'm really so thankful. Well, thank you. And you know, the feeling is mutual. Heather has helped me a great deal trying to deal with the medical aspect of this, because as much as I know about menopause weight loss, a lot of the other stuff, like I'm just really trying to be a voice for women to like, be like, Hey, we got to keep talking about this ladies, because it's, um, it's really disconcerting to not know what's happening, you know? And yeah. So you having all of that medical knowledge is so helpful just because I was lost. I was like, I don't know where to turn, but my life feels like it's upside down at this moment. So yeah, it's important exactly. for us to talk about this stuff. It is. I know. I, it's, so, it's such a nice complimentary dialogue to have because I think as a physician, I like to rely on your expertise in the areas of, you know, calories in, calories out, and uh, uh, fitness, and et cetera. And, you know, I have great friends who are physical therapists and all different types of healthcare providers. I think when we all collaborate, we form this, like, multidisciplinary team, that's, that's the sauce. That's the secret yes. sauce, you know? It, it really is. It's so cool to see. And we've all sort of met on social media and it's just one of the, the benefits of being able to be in this sort of digital world with each other. So it's Absolutely. so cool. Um, what, if anything, what are your sort of last um, sort of summary or last thoughts that you want to leave anyone with and, um, you know, just kind of to wrap up on a positive note? Yeah. Um, I, I think I would say it's never too late, ladies. It's never too late. Wherever you think you are, however too far gone you think you are, you're not. It's never too late. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for listening in, or perhaps you're watching the show. We just love to have you be a part of both of our communities. We will link places to find us below. And thank you guys so much. And we hope you join us again soon. 
Bye. Bye.